Well, this morning, I'm excited about the Word of the Lord. We're going to uh, open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 4, and we are going to talk about a message today simply entitled, The Secret of Living. And uh, we just spent the last three weeks, or the last you know, three weeks, I guess, four weeks, maybe talking about what it means to live our lives at the highest level. And hopefully, 28 days into, uh, or now we're past 28 days, now we're a month into a uh, brand new year, and I hope that one month into the new year that you really are beginning to live your life at, a, at, a, at, a, at your highest level and really walking in the things that God has for you. And I hope that you're growing personally. I hope you're growing spiritually. I hope you're connecting relationally, and really great things are happening as you're cultivating your relationship with the Lord. So today I want to just kind of spend one more week on what the Apostle Paul talks about, the secret of living. Because I really believe today we're going to kind of tap into something that's going to continually empower us to keep living our life at the highest level. Now, next Sunday, uh, we're going to begin a brand new series together. This is February, right? We are 11 days away from Valentine's Day. And for all the guys out there, you're already probably worried. Maybe you hadn't thought about it if you're not worried, right? So uh, anyway, let me just give you some great advice. Go big or go home, right? Go big always works. It just helps, right? You can mess up on everything, just get something big, really pretty, and you'll be all right anyway. But uh, it's relationship month, right? Everybody's kind of talking about, thinking about relationships and love is in the air, you know. And if you're, a, a, if you're like my wife, Kelly is like a Hallmark movie junkie. And uh, so, uh, you know, I had to get her a blue chip last week for Celebrate Recovery to get set free from Hallmark. <laughs> it is that bad. So we finally got through watching all the Christmas Hallmark movies, and now I saw a commercial the other night for Valentine's movies. Yeah. I thought, Lord, help me, Jesus, is what I actually thought. So, but next Sunday, we're going to begin a relationship series called Love One Another. And we're going to see what does the Bible really say about how do we love one another? What does love really look like? How do we walk that out in a very practical, applicable way? And what I'm excited about in this relationship starting next Sunday, this series starting next Sunday on relationships, is that we're going to learn some real practical stuff that's going to affect every relationship that you have, from husband and wife to if you're a young person, you've got a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. But we're going to talk about how uh, the principles of Scripture impact every relationship, our friendships, our marriage relationships, parent-child relationships, co-worker relationships, church relationships, and the Bible really is the standard on how to cultivate life-giving, healthy relationships. And so we're going to spend the rest of the month starting next Sunday talking about what does it mean to love one another and how do we get into a mindset of how do we cultivate healthy relationships that allow us to thrive. Because you guys understand this without a shadow of a doubt that the quality of your relationships helps to dictate the quality of your life. And we've all been in unhealthy, ungodly relationships and the quality of our life was way down here. But when you begin to raise the bar on healthy, godly relationships, all of a sudden you raise the bar on the quality of your life. So we're going to begin that next Sunday entitled Love One Another. So this morning, let's look in Philippians chapter 4, and let's talk about what the Apostle Paul calls the secret of living. He says, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. 
I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. So let's just pause there for a second. So the Apostle Paul is doing two things in this verse. Number one, he's praising God, and he's thanking the Philippian believers because they were concerned about him and they were caring for him. They had actually financially supported him, and now they were trying to continue to help him, financially partnering with him in the ministry. So the Apostle Paul says, I want to praise God because you're concerned about me and you cared for me. And I want to thank you for being concerned about me and caring for me and for meeting the needs that were in my life. But look at verse 11, because he kind of shifts gears real quick. So he says, thank you for meeting my needs. Praise God that God used you to meet my needs. But look what he says in verse 11. He says, but not that I was ever in need. He says, thank you for meeting my needs, but I want you to understand something. I was never really in need. Now, Paul wasn't being sarcastic or arrogant. He is about to share an amazing truth with us. Look what he says in this next part of the verse. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Then look at verse 12. And I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And here it is. Here's the meat of our message. I have learned the secret of living. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty one, whether it is with plenty or with little, right? In Philippians 4.13, right? We all know this verse. Y'all say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul says, I have learned the secret of to living in every situation. And then he quotes, right, one of the most quoted verses of Scripture in the Bible, right, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let me just give you just a little quick insight here for just a second. Philippians 4.13 has nothing to do with sports. It has nothing to do with entrepreneurial leadership. It has nothing to do with church growth. It has everything to do with contentment in Christ. The all things that I can do through Christ who strengthens me is to be content with whatever I have. So let's look at that first point. I want you to see this. So the secret of living life to its fullest potential in every situation and every season of our life is the contentment that comes from Christ. The secret of living life to our fullest potential in every situation and every season, in situations of lack and in situations of abundance, in situations when our belly is full and in situations when our belly is empty, in situations when we have plenty or in situations when we have little. The key, the secret to living life to its fullest potential in every situation is the contentment that comes from Christ. Now, if you look at that next point on your outline, I want you to see this because a lot of times when we talk about contentment, people confuse contentment and complacency. And so I want to just start out by telling you what contentment is not. Number one, contentment is not complacency. Let me give you a definition of complacency. This is Keith Hodges' definition that I have kind of observed over the years. Many times when we talk about complacency, complacency is kind of this whatever happens, happens mentality. Right? Well, just whatever happens, happens. And now, if you're a Christian, we take that philosophy to a whole new level. We spiritualize it. Because this is what we say. Well, whatever happens, happens. And if it happens, then it must have been the will 
of God for my life. Let me just tell you right now, let me be very clear with you. Most of the things that have probably happened to you have not been the will of God for your life. Let me be really clear. Anything that has happened to you that contradicts the promise, the plan, and the model of life given to us by Jesus Christ is not the will of God for your life. Anything that happens to you that contradicts the word, the will, the promise of the word of God and the example of Jesus Christ is not the will of God for you. So contentment is not complacency. It's not a whatever happens, happens mentality. It's not a whatever happens must be the will of God. No, the reality is if we'll be really honest with ourselves today, most of us have experienced things that were not the will of God because we weren't pursuing the will of God. Because we were making choices and decisions outside the will of God. Because we were selfish in the choices and decisions that we made. But the reality is this. Anything that happens in your life outside the promise and plan of God for your life from the Word is not the will of God. So contentment is not complacency. It's not adapting and receiving this whatever happens, happens mentality. I'm just going to give you three specific things there if you look at the rest of that statement. So contentment is not complacency. Look at that next part there. It is not giving up on your dreams. Contentment is not giving up on your dreams. A lot of times when we get in difficult, challenging circumstances, I want you to hear this. Why is contentment so important? Contentment in Christ is so important because when life gets hard and difficult and challenging and you're in a season or a situation where there is lack and not enough and a little, a complacent heart will give up on its dream. A complacent heart will just give up on the dream and vision that God has. But I want you to hear me today. Contentment empowers you to pursue the dream and pursue the vision that God has for your life even when life is hard, even when there's not enough, even when you're in a season of lack, even when your belly is empty, even when there is nothing in the bank. It is a contentment in Christ that empowers and enables us to pursue the dream even when life is very, very difficult. And if you don't have contentment, you'll give up on your dream. And how many people have given up on their dream? Given up on their dreams for their families. Given up on their dreams for their finances. Given up on their dreams for their ministry. Just given up on the dream. Why? Because it got hard. The Apostle Paul says, guess what? Sometimes life gets hard. There are seasons and situations in our lives when sometimes we have more than we need, sometimes we don't have all that we need, sometimes our belly is full, sometimes our belly is empty, but the contentment in Christ, which is the secret to living life to its fullest potential, is the thing that empowers us in those difficult seasons to refuse to let go and give up on our dream. And I want to just flip the coin for just a minute because I believe more than anything the scripture says this, the scripture says that all of creation groans and travails awaiting for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. I, I want to interpret it this way. The world is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to rise up, claim the inheritance, the dream, and the vision that God has for them. Why? Because when you start living the life God called you to live, the world becomes a better place. When you start living the life God's called you to live, your family becomes better. 
your community becomes better. Your church becomes better, and our world becomes a better place. You want to know what the cure and the remedy for the political chaos in our world today is? It is that the sons and daughters of the Most High God would rise up and claim the dream and the vision that God has for them and begin to walk in the inheritance that God has purposed for their life. There's a remedy. There's a remedy for the problems that are plaguing our society, that we would not let go of our dreams, but that we would persevere in order to obtain the dream and the vision that God has for us. And it is contentment in Christ that empowers us to do that. Contentment's not complacency. It's not, look at that next part, it's not settling for less. How many times have we seen people that when it gets hard and when they hit a season of lack that we want to begin to settle for less? We start settling for less than God's best. Contentment never settles. Hear me. Contentment never settles. Contentment is a joy and a peace where I'm at that's sustaining me to where I'm going. It's a joy and a peace where I'm at that sustains me to where I'm going. And I'm not going to settle, right? So many people have settled in the wilderness instead of pressing through to their promised land. And think about this. When we're going into relationship month, right, February, and we're going to start a new series next Sunday. But think about one of the greatest areas as a pastor in 27 years of ministry that I've seen people settle is in relationships. See, if you're not content as a single person, y'all hear me? If you're not content in Christ as a single, you'll settle. You'll settle. And you'll start dating, and you'll start pursuing, and you'll start texting, and face messaging, and Instagramming, and ultimately talking about marrying people that do not have the same values, the same convictions, or the same vision of God for their life. And you'll settle. If you're not content in Christ, you'll settle. You'll settle for less than God's best. And we've seen it over and over again. And as a matter of fact, many of us have probably been through some of those relationships, right? And we've got a divorce to prove it. Unfortunately, we have a world filled with the chaos and the wreckage of damaging relationships. Why? Because people that were single were not content in Christ. And they settled. Well, I just want somebody to be with me. Let me just tell you something. Sometimes it's better to be alone than be with the wrong person. Contentment is not settling for less. Contentment is not, look at that last part. Contentment is not, and, uh, com- contentment is not an excuse for your fears. See, what happens if you're not content in Christ, you'll shift to a place of complacency when the world gets hard, and you'll start making excuses. You'll start making excuses for your fears. And the reality is, is you'll settle and you'll give up on your dream. And you'll say, well, I'm just content where I'm at. No, you're not content. You're afraid. You're afraid of change. You're afraid of what if I might get hurt again. You're afraid if what if it doesn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. You're you're afraid that it might cost you more than you want to pay. You're afraid it might get harder before it gets better. 
And what happens is, if you're not content in Christ, you'll shift to a place of complacency, you'll give up on your dream, you'll settle for less, and you'll start making excuses for your fear, and you'll say, well, I'm just content in Christ. No, you're afraid. And we've got to face our fears. Let me tell you what contentment in Christ does. Contentment in Christ causes you to face your fears. It causes you to face the challenges and difficulties of life. It causes you to look the very thing in the eye that you're more afraid of than anything else and say, by the grace of God, I'm going for it. That's what contentment in Christ does. You want to know why Paul said, I have learned the secret of living life in every situation? It is contentment in Christ. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because contentment keeps me pressing for my dream. Contentment allows me to refuse to settle. And contentment empowers me to face my fears and refuse to make excuses one more day. And we need a contentment in Christ. Because too many Christians are giving up, settling, and making excuses for the things that God has called them to do. Amen? So look at that next point. I want you to see this. So true contentment is learned. And I want to stop on that word for just a second while y'all fill in the blanks. True contentment is learned. That, that's encouraging. The Apostle Paul twice said it. He says, I have learned how to be content. I have learned the secret of living life in every situation. I learned it. Now, here's what's good about that. If it was a gift, then maybe I don't have that gift. If contentment's a gift, and, and you know, she's got the gift of contentment, and he's got the gift of contentment, and she's got the gift of contentment, well, maybe I don't have it, so, man, I'm on the outside. But Paul doesn't say contentment's a gift. Paul said contentment is something we learn. And if I can learn it, then guess what? You can learn it, and 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 you can learn it. And if I can learn it, and you can learn it, then all of a sudden there's level ground. Nobody's disqualified from the secret of life and the secret of living to our fullest potential in Jesus Christ. Nobody's disqualified. Why? Because we can all learn to be content. So how do we do it? Well, the Bible teaches us there. Look what it says here. Look at our statement. True contentment is learned by doing two things, looking to and leaning on Jesus. We look and we lean. I want you to see this last statement because we believe that only God can satisfy. We believe that only God can satisfy. This is a huge little statement. Why? Because if you don't believe that only God can satisfy, then you won't look and lean on Jesus. You'll look to the world, you'll look to this, you'll look to that, you'll look to everything, but you won't look and you won't lean on Jesus unless you come to the realization that only God can satisfy. Now, let me give you a great truth from Scripture. Ecclesiastes says this. It says, eternity is set in the heart of every man. Well, what does that mean, Pastor Keith? It simply means this. There is a God-shaped void in your heart that only an eternal God can fill. There is something within the heart of every man and every woman that can only be satisfied by God. The Bible says he who loves silver will never be satisfied by silver. He who loves increase will never be satisfied by more. You'll never be satisfied. And so the key to contentment is, number one, coming to a place of faith that says, you know what, I believe that only God can satisfy me. I believe there is an inner longing of contentment and satisfaction in my soul that can only come through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to stop looking and I'm going to stop leaning on the world and I'm going to set my affection and my attention on Jesus Christ. 
And here's the good news. The more you look and the more you lean on Jesus, the more contentment you will find. The more you look and the more you lean, the more contentment you will find. And so as I keep looking and I keep leaning, guess what happens? I keep cultivating a spirit of contentment in my heart that empowers me and enables me to refuse to give up on my dream, to refuse to settle for less, and to refuse to make excuses for my fears. And because of the contentment that comes from Christ, there is an empowerment and an emboldenment in my heart to press in and persevere through the challenges and difficult situations and seasons of life. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let me pause on that for just a second. Let us run with endurance. Let me say this to you today. You'll never endure unless you're content. You'll never endure unless you're content. If you're not content, you'll give up on your dreams. If you're not content, you'll settle for less. If you're not content, you'll start making excuses for your fears. You'll never endure the race. You'll never endure the challenges and the difficulties that stand between every one of us and the end game that God has for us unless we come to a place of what Paul calls the secret of living life, which is contentment in Christ. Now look at verse 2. He says, so looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, least you look, become weary and discouraged in your souls. Looking unto Jesus. Let me tell you what happens when you look to Jesus. Two things. Number one, when you look to Jesus, you see the perfect example of contentment. Jesus was fully satisfied. He was fully content in the Father. And yet because of that contentment that he had in the Father, he was able to endure the cross, despising the shame, the rejection, the heartache, the betrayal, the physical anguish, the mental anguish, the spiritual anguish that he was going to endure as he went to the cross for our sin. Jesus was able to endure the cross. Why? Because he was totally satisfied in the Father. There was a contentment that he had in the Father that sustained him and empowered him to refuse to run from what he had been called to do. And so when we look to Jesus, all of a sudden we get this amazing example of what it means to be content in God and what it means to endure to the end. But not only do we get this amazing example, but we also get this amazing inspiration. All of a sudden, when I look to Jesus, there is a release of faith and confidence that begins to rise up in me. Why? Because the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. See, when I look at Jesus, you know who I see? I see a God who began a good work in me and a God who has promised to finish what he started in my life. He is the author and finisher of our, of, our, of our faith. He is the one who has begun a good work. He is the one who will complete the work that he's begun in us. And the God that saved me is the same God that can keep me and the same God that will empower me to obtain the promise he's called for me. And when I look to Jesus, not only do I get a great example of what it looks like, but I get the encouragement and the faith that says, you know what, this same God that endured the cross 
For the joy set before him is the same God that's now working and living in me through the person, the power of the Holy Spirit, and he is able to strengthen me and complete me and empower me and give me everything that I need to do what I've been called to do, and I can hold on and I can persevere and I can press through. Why? Because my God is with me, and he is the author and the finisher of my faith. Now look at this last point. I want you to see this last point together. True contentment is an inner strength, right? Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It is an inner strength that comes from Jesus that sustains and empowers us in every situation and every season of our life. As I was praying over this, the Holy Spirit said something to me. He said, Keith, do you realize that you need the sustaining power of contentment in prosperity more than you do in adversity? And I said, do what? He said, you need the sustaining power of contentment in prosperity more than you do in adversity. And I said, why? He said, well, as a Christian, as somebody that's saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, when you hit seasons of lack and seasons of adversity and seasons of struggle, the Holy Spirit immediately begins to cry out within you, right? He said, and there is a... There is a natural inclination in the heart of every Christian when, that when times get tough, they start looking to and crying out to God. Lord, God, heal me. God, save me. God, deliver me. God, rescue me, right? I mean, your prayer life goes to a whole new level when all hell breaks loose. Right, doesn't it? If you're a Christian and you're really following after God, then when adversity or lack or seasons of setback or seasons of not enough come, man, you're pressing in, you're looking and you're leaning on Jesus, you're crying out to God consistently and daily, and all of a sudden your prayer life goes to a whole new level. But let's flip the coin. What happens when your family's good and your finances are good and life is good and you're good and the world's good? All of a sudden we have a tendency that's not of God. That in the blessing of abundance, we begin now to look to and lean on our promotion, our job, our house, our car, our family, our friends, and the good things that we have. And all of a sudden, we start looking to and leaning on them to bring satisfaction to our soul. And all of a sudden, we start being satisfied because we have enough instead of being satisfied because he is enough. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said, Keith, he said, you need to be sustained by contentment in seasons of abundance more than you do in seasons of adversity because that is when you are most prone to look and lean on other things. Now, let me just give you a, just a little thought today. Why is that so dangerous? It is so dangerous because this is what happens, and it happens... Again, February relationship month here. It happens in relationships consistently, unfortunately. And this is what happens is all of a sudden, maybe it's a marriage relationship, maybe it's a dating relationship, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a co-worker relationship, maybe it's a church relationship, but all of a sudden things are going good and you've got this good friend or you've got this good relationship and all of a sudden you start looking to and leaning on them to satisfy and sustain the contentment of your soul. And the moment that happens, I want you to hear me. The moment that happens, you make them God. 
Now, let me give you a revelation. They are not, nor are you, nor am I God. They're not God. But the moment you start looking to them and leaning on them to satisfy your soul, the moment you start looking to them and leaning on them to bring contentment that only Christ can bring in your life, you set them up as God in your life and you immediately set up that relationship for failure. And let me tell you why. Number one, they're not God. So no matter what they do, no matter how perfectly they respond in that relationship, they are never going to be capable to meet that inner void in your heart. Now, I've never met a perfect person. They nailed him on a cross. I've never met one in flesh. But I'm just going to tell you, if you're in a relationship and that person does everything perfectly that they can do to be the best friend or the best spouse or the best coworker or the best boss or the best pastor or the best elder or the best small group leader that they could ever be, if they do everything perfectly but yet you're looking and leaning on them for the contentment that only comes from Christ, one day will come and it will come quickly that you will become dissatisfied you will become disheartened, you will become discouraged, and you will become the biggest fault finder you've ever seen in their life. Because it doesn't matter what they do, you're not satisfied. It doesn't matter how they respond, you're not satisfied. It doesn't matter how much they give, you're not satisfied. Why? Because they're not God. And how many relationships have crashed and burned? Because we put an unrealistic expectation on somebody to be something they're not. I'll never forget, I heard John Maxwell years ago say he and his wife were doing a little Q&A. And he said, somebody asked his wife this question, does John make you happy? He said, I cringed. (laughs) He said, but my wife in all of her wisdom opened her mouth and he said, I'll never forget what she said. She said, no, John does not make me happy. Jesus makes me happy, and John adds to my happiness. The moment you start looking to people to make you happy instead of adding to the happiness and contentment that comes from Christ, you set them up for failure. And if you don't get disgruntled with the relationship because now that person that you thought was going to satisfy you can never really satisfy you, then guess what? They'll probably get fed up with the relationship because you keep putting unrealistic expectations on them and they keep walking around saying, doesn't matter what I do, doesn't matter how hard I try, doesn't matter how much I give, I can never make them happy, I can never make them happy, I can never make them happy, so I'm just done. Or if you decide not to be done, maybe you stay together and you just fuss and fight for the next 20 years. And that happens. Why? Because true contentment is an inner strength that comes only from Jesus. From being rightly connected to God and looking and leaning on Jesus is the only way to be satisfied in our souls. Now, let me just talk real quick to all of my men. I know this is not exclusive to men, but men tend tend to fall into this category. So let me just give us men just a little thought. A lot of times men will find contentment on their job. And what I mean by that is they go to work and maybe you're really good at your job. And so when you're at work, everybody pats you on the back and and you excel at work and you get promotions at work and you're the hero at work. And then you come home and you realize you're really better at doing your job than you are better at being a husband. 
and then you are better than being a father. Because, you know, you went to four years of college and you went through six months of apprenticeship to learn how to do your job and nobody taught you how to be a husband and nobody taught you how to be a father, so you're really ill-equipped. Right? And so what happens is guys go to work, they feel celebrated and honored. They come home and they feel critiqued and put down. And so what happens is, is men will begin to look to their job for contentment of soul. Validation, affirmation, celebration. And all of a sudden, they'll begin to look to their job and they'll go to work more and home less and work more and home less and work more and home less. And they can't understand why their wife's frustrated because everybody at work's really happy with me. But they get 80 hours a week now of your life, and I get a few hours of your week, and when you come home, you're no good to me anyway because you wish you were at work. And what happens is, is, let me just say, the same thing that happens to relationships happens to careers. See, that, ha that lasts for a little while is really good, and you become very successful. Until one day, he who loves silver is never satisfied with silver. He who loves success is never satisfied with success. One day, you're going to be pushing the envelope for success. That now, you're working 80 hours a week, but that's not enough. Everybody in the office needs to work 80 hours a week. And before you know it, nobody wants to work for you anymore because nobody actually wants to work 80 hours a week because they actually want to go home. Amen? And so, true contentment in Christ is what satisfies and sustains us so that we can live a life that, that has healthy balance and consistency so that we are happy from the Lord and everything else gets to add to who He is in our lives. So I want you to just bow your heads with me today. And I want to ask you a very simple question this morning. Who are you looking to and who are you leaning on? Now, again, it's wonderful. We've we been talking about how important relationships are. And we need people. But people add to. Jesus is the centerpiece of contentment and satisfaction in our hearts. And the more I look to and lean on him, the more content I become. And the more I look to and lean on other things or people, the more uncontent I become and the more unbalanced I become and the more chaotic my world will become. So I want to ask you today, what are you look, who are you looking to and what are you leaning on? Because what you're looking to and what you're leaning on is your God. And that's sobering. What you're looking to and what you're leaning on to satisfy the contentment of your soul is your God. So here's the million-dollar question today. Is Jesus your God? If he's not, today we need to show, shift our focus and our attention. And I realize that many of us in this room are Christians, and we've been serving the Lord, living for God, many of you, for many years. But I also know it's not just in times of adversity, but many times in prosperity that we stop looking and leaning on Jesus. We begin to make gods out of things that were never intended to be our God. So if you're here today and you're a Christian, I want to challenge you right now. Let's focus our attention. Let's refocus. Let's start looking and leaning on Jesus. Why? Because he sustains us. And he empowers us.
to press through to what God has for our lives. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm not a Christian. I've never really looked to and leaned on Jesus. Oh, I've acknowledged him and I've been to church. Maybe I've prayed a few prayers here or there, but the reality is I know in my heart of hearts, I've never looked to him and leaned on him as my Lord and my Savior. And I want to do that today. I want to look to and lean on Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. If that's you today, I say it every week, I want to ask you to do something very simple and very powerful. Something very simple, I want you to stand to your feet. You stand every day. Something very powerful, it's a stand, it's a step of faith today. Faith changes the world. Faith is a victory that overcomes the world. And so today when you stand in faith, you do something very simple but very powerful. And that is that you stand to your feet today to say, today I want to look to and lean on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never done that and I want to do that today. I want to commit my life to following Christ. If that's you, I want you to stand right now. Don't wait another second. Just stand to your feet all over this building. This is the greatest decision you'll ever make. I want to look to and lean on Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. This is your moment. This is your moment. Father, I thank you today for the grace and goodness of your Son. I thank you for the loving mercy of Jesus Christ. And I thank you today that we can look to and lean on you. And that today, the secret of living life to its fullest potential is contentment that comes from Jesus Christ. So today we set our face to you, Lord. And as the Apostle Paul said, Lord, today we desire to learn how to be content with whatever we have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today.